Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Welcome to Live Free Church. Um, we're a church startup in Kelowna. And um, people ask us all the time, people ask me all the time, like, why start a church in Kelowna? You look at, like, the demographics about Kelowna, that there's about 132,000 people living in Kelowna, make, their church, make, their, make this city their home. And for us, we think that there's at least 100,000 people who don't go anywhere, who don't go to any church. And so we think there's 100,000 reasons why we want to start a church in Kelowna. There's 100,000 people that we want to make Jesus known to. So wherever you're at, if you're with us and you're in Kelowna or Rutland, uh, West Kelowna, Lake Country, um, we just want to say welcome. But if you want to join us, we would love for you to go to our website, livefree.church. Um, there's all the information there for, uh, for you um, to join a community group, to, to pray for our movement, um, to financially support um, our ongoing work of seeing people come to know Christ in Kelowna. For the past 21 weeks, we've been actually talking um, about, about an uncomfortable time we find ourselves in. That for you and I, we've never experienced a pandemic. And for, when, for us, when we talked about us actually going through a sermon series, we talked about this idea of how do, we, how do we talk to people who are struggling or suffering. In those early days of the pandemic, I remember just feeling lost and alone at home. I've never been a homeschool dad. I've never seen my friends all of a sudden in a moment just lose all their jobs. I don't know if you've ever seen those kind of moments, but we, we're in this time where I feel like we're uncomfortable, that we were struggling. And maybe you still are in a struggle. But we think that there's this incredible book in the Bible called 1 Peter. And if you, it's your first time with us, go back and read it or go back and watch other messages. But Peter, an apostle to Christ, who was an eyewitness to Jesus. The reason why we believe Jesus isn't because he was just some myth that people made up to make people behave a certain way, that Jesus was an actual person because there was so many eyewitnesses that observed his life, wrote them down, documented it. And Peter, who was an eyewitness, wrote this letter to people in roughly um, 64 AD in, um, in modern-day Turkey, people who were struggling, who were dying for their faith, people who... Um, had no hope. He was trying to offer them some hope, some assurance. We're struggling. Like, what a time for us to be alive. Like, what a time to struggle in a pandemic. Like, today I, I walked my kids um, to school, to the fence in their schoolyard, and I was so excited to see my kids go back to school. It's been a long five months. But if you're a teacher, maybe you're fearful. Maybe you're, you're anxious about your kids, about, about teaching kids. As a parent, maybe you're anxious about your kids going back. The possibility of maybe there's underlying health conditions that your kids could be exposed to with, uh, with COVID-19. You see, we hope, I hope, that in the struggle, in this time that we're in, that we're not destroyed by it, but that actually God's trying to redeem us, restore us. That God's trying to like reorientate us. He's trying to like realign our values and the things that we put our hope and our, our trust in. 
are the functional saviors of our lives. We talked about this last week, that the fire, when it comes in, the struggle, when it comes into our life, burns all that stuff away. But I don't know what motivates your life. But here's the thing, it's surely motivated by something. All of our lives are motivated by something. Like we're all, when we wake up in the morning, we're motivated to do something. We have a desire to see something accomplished, to get a degree, to have a great job, to make a certain amount of money in our bank account. Like we have a desire that drives us every single day. A desire for maybe a better future. See, today I want us to look at three things. This passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 to, to 5 looks at. And the, the first thing is that there's a condition of every single person. And the second thing is there's a pitfall of everyone that everyone falls into. The third thing is we actually have a need for a shepherd. Let's look in the Bible. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, and we use a CSB Bible, because we think it's the most accurate and readable translation. You can go and buy one on, on Amazon. There's great Bibles out there. Here's First Peter chapter 5, verse 1. It says here, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be, reve- about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseen out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God resists the proud, but give grace to the, to the humble. See right here, there's three groups that Peter's talking to. And I think there's something profound that, that Peter is saying for everyone. But the, the first kind of group he's talking to, he says here, I exhort the elders. Like he's talking to a group that there's elders in the church, there's overseers, there's people that are like preachers, teachers that are, that are keeping the vision of the church. In this time, it's like the apostles, but there's other like overseers in this church, these home churches in 6480 in modern day Turkey. Then he moves on to say the same way you who are younger, but really it's more of like a generalization. Like there's all these people, he's saying, who are, who are younger than the elders who are in these house churches. And then the very end he's saying here, all of you clothe yourself with, what he's trying to say here is there's three kind of categories. There's the, the leaders, there's the, the congregants, the people in this, like these little home churches all over, and then also everyone clothe yourself with humility. See, if you look at this passage, that's kind of the structure of it. But I think what it's speaking to, to you and I, that there's actually a motivation. Peter here is hitting at what is the motivation that we have every day that makes you get up in the morning? He says that that to be a human is to have a motivation, to have a will, have a desire. At the heart of every person, what he's trying to say here is that you and I, we wander. Right, this analogy of, of shepherding and the chief shepherd. See, the, the fact is that he's calling us. He's calling me. He's calling David, Levi, my kids, my wife. He's calling my neighbors, everyone, sheep. Because we wander like a sheep wanders. 
He's saying that we're all sheep. As sheep, that we're all wandering. And as people, people, we're all wandering through this life. The whole passage assumes that there are people who are wandering and searching from one thing to the next. If you don't think this is true, if you don't think that people wander, right, think about marketing, right? Like I think marketing exploits this thing. That marketing exploits the fact that we're constantly wandering this world, right? Like I told my wife the other day, I'm like, we need new toothpaste, right? And when you go to the store, right, there's like how many toothpaste tubes out there? But here's the thing about toothpaste. It's the same formula forever for the last 30 plus years. But guess what? Crest and Colgate have this amazing thing that when you go to the supermarket or you go to the store and they say, it's the new improved formula. Like I think for us, right, when we're wandering from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, what happens is marketing knows that we're going to wander and that we actually are going to search for other things because we feel like we're not content in this thing. See, marketing companies know that we drift. But if you wander through your life, you're drifting. It's because it's the human condition. It's the state of our, of our lives. See, for example, God created most animals okay, with this uncanny instinct to find their way home. Like I have a cat. He's 12 years old. Sometimes I'm like, I wish he would run away. But when my cat Sam is out for like a day and a bit, and I'm like, oh my goodness, is he gone? Like, do I need to like go on Facebook and, and message people? Guess what happens? He shows up again. But most animals can find their way home. But guess what? Sheep, when they stray into unfamiliar territory, become completely disorientated and they become lost. They cannot find their way back home. See, sheep need a shepherd to guide them, to provide for them, to protect them. Sometimes they need a shepherd to protect them from harm. Sheep spend most of their time eating and drinking. If they become lost, Sheep have a hard time finding adequate food and water. Left to themselves, they say that, that sheep will, will eat both healthy and unhealthy poisonous plants because they're, they're dumb animals. They overgraze and ruin their own pastures if they're unkept. Like, doesn't that look like us? Like, look at our world today. Like, I feel like, like this is us. Like, we are the people who left our own devices or demise, like we end up ruining the great things that we have around us. It says that sheep need to be led to water that's not impure or stagnant, not too hot or too cold, water that's not moving too rapidly because sheep, again, can like end up <laughs> at like a river bend next to a waterfall and have a, a drink and fall into it. Like they're just not the smartest animals. See, because sheep are so naturally passive and virtually defensive, defenseless against predators, when attacked, their only resource is to flee and panic. See, the shepherds must continually be on guard to defend and rescue the sheep from attack. It's not surprising that when Jesus likened the disorientated, the confused, the unclean, the spiritually lost crowds to sheep, without shepherds. You just look at this in the Gospels. It says constantly in, in Matthew 9, verse 36, and Mark 6, verse 34, that, that we were, we're sheep without a shepherd, that we're lost. We're helpless 
that we've ruined our lives. We couldn't feed ourselves spiritually. We had no one to lead and protect us. The prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament compared humanity's lost condition to that of a stray sheep. It says here that all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own ways. You see, our own way is being astray. Like, how often do you and I look at things and say, I think I know what's best? How often, when you look at your own lives, you think, I have my own best thinking in mind? I remember when we started this church plant, and we started like this, uh, this dream of actually like us starting a church in Kelowna, and we were going to launch on Easter Sunday, 2020. And the end of March hit, and I realized that we were not going to launch a church. Like, we get to launch a church in people's homes and build a community that way, but we don't actually get to host a physical service at the, at the Grand Ten. Like, we don't get to do those things. Like, we don't get to, when you pull up in our parking lot, we don't get to have Bill greet you in the parking lot, and you walk in, and there's Mark and Nancy at the door, and they open the door and greet you and say, welcome to Live Free Church. You come in, and you see myself or someone at the welcome center, and then you go over and you get a great cup of coffee from the pour-over station. You go and you check your kids in. They come and, and hear this incredible dynamic worship team with Levi and David, Pierre. Like, all that stuff in a moment was gone. And I remember feeling a bit lost, feeling a bit at, like, drift, like I was wandering. And my friend said to me this, this one thing when he's like, you know, Colby, he's my mentor, he's a church planter, and he says, you know, um, I want you to wake up every morning and just say this one thing. And all I want you to do is say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to talk to? Remember saying, I can, Bob, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. I might not know how to plan a church, start a church in a pandemic. I don't know how to, to draw people digitally, but I can do that every single day. It's, it's going away from my own best thinking. It's saying, God, what do you want me to do? How can you shepherd me every day? That there's a, a position in my own life that I'm wandering. It so happens often in my life when it creeps up where it's like, you know, I get bored of something. Right? Like, do you ever have that happen in your life where you're like, man, like, I'm so bored of this, and then if I just had this thing, if I just had this, this new gadget, if I just had this new Amazon uh, purchase, if I just had a new jacket, if I just had a holiday, if I just had a better car, if I just, whatever it is, I'll be happy. If I just have a degree. I think sometimes the worst moments of our lives is when we get exactly what we wanted, they don't actually give us significance and meaning. Like, I think we all have great intentions, but so often in my life, I wander. I'm wandering through life. I think I know best. That's the position, that's the posture of every human, is that we naturally 
wander. We're just wandering through this life. And maybe you're sitting at home and you're like, man, I don't wander. <laughs> just look at your life. Look at how you move from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Like we are wandering just like sheep. And Peter's saying here is that we need a, sh- a shepherd, a chief shepherd. But he says here, before we get to that point, he says that the pitfall of every person is the motivation. In verse 2, it says here that shepherd, shepherds God, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseen out of compulsion, but willingly. Not as God would have you, as God would have you, but not out of greed for money, but do it eagerly. That's what it's trying to say here. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseen out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not out of greed for money, but do it eagerly. See, this, this passage is talking about Christian leadership. It's talking about eldership in the church. It's talking about, about leaders who are preaching, teaching. Like, we have a governing board to make sure that, that I'm not <laughs> a complete wacko. I'm not, like, being led astray. But what Peter, I think, is trying to say here is there's a trait in every person. There's a trait in a church leader. There's a trait in, in people who, who are a leader at third space or if you're a leader in your, in your company, a leader in your home. Like, there is a position, a posture of our heart. And it always comes down to motivation. It always comes down to what drives you or what's the desire you find in your life. As Christians, it's so easy to be led by moralism. As a person, it's so easy to be led by money, by power, by control. It's the desires that drives our lives, but what happens when we get exactly what our hearts desire? See, if you're driven by moralism, you will, no one will ever measure up to your standards. But if you're driven by money, you will never have enough. If you're driven by power, you're climbing always to the top of every organization. If you're driven by control, you're always trying to be right or find out what's right. See, what motivates you? What drives you? And if it's not the gospel, the gospel is this, that you are a sinful, broken person, that Jesus sees you in your broken and sinful state and saves you not by your own good works, but by his works on the cross. See, if it's not the gospel, if your motivation, if you're not motivated by, by the gospel, you're always going to move to the next thing and you're never satisfied. You're never going to rest. You're never going to find hope and joy and peace. A life planted, rooted in the gospel really means that your work and your desires flow to your identity that is already established in Christ's work. Here's what I mean. I heard this story this past week by, from Spurgeon. He says there's, a, there's this story that Spurgeon shares um, in some sermons. It says that once upon a time, it kind of explains this, this amazing dynamic of a dri- what drives you. It says there once upon a time, there's a king who ruled over everything in the land. And there's this gardener. And this gardener grew this enormous carrot. He took it to the king and said, uh, my lord, this is the greatest carrot I've ever grown and I will ever grow. Therefore, I want to give it to you as a token of my love and respect for you as my king. The king was touched and he discerned this gardener's heart and he's like, wow, this, this you know, he is a re- remarkable man who loves me. And so what does the king do? He says, clearly you're a good steward of, of the earth 
and I want to give you a plot of the land as a free gift so you can use your gift and garden even more land. The gardener was amazed and delighted and went home rejoicing. But it says here that there was a a neighbor to the man with this large carrot. And he was a nobleman in the king's court and overheard all this. And he said, you know what, if you if you're going to give him just a carrot, just a large carrot, I have a stable and I have beautiful, incredible horses. I'm going to take my incredible horse down to the king and I'm going to get more land. So he goes down to the king. He says, I breed horses and here's my finest horse and I'm going to give it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. And the king discerned his heart he took the horse and said, thank you, and just walked away. The nobleman was so perplexed, he said, hey, w- hold on a second here. And he says, he says let, me, let me explain this to you. That gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. You see, it's the de- desire. If you're doing anything in Jesus' name in order to get something, you're not giving it to Jesus. You're actually just trying to give it to yourself. You're feeding, feeding the homeless in order to please God. You're not feeding them, but you're actually feeding your own moralism. If you're giving money in order to get a tax break, you aren't giving money to the church. You're just really giving back to yourself. See, it's really you not praying the Lord's Prayer when Jesus says, pray like this, your kingdom come. You're actually praying saying, God, bring forth my kingdom on earth, not yours. See, are you living like the man, the carrot, who looks at the king and just loves and respects him so much that you're just bringing your offering to him? Or are you the man with the horse who's saying, I'm going to give you this horse because I know I'm going to get something else out of that? There is a difference there. Moving on, we have this idea, this need for the, the, we're talking about this human con- condition that we're all like sheep. We talked about the pitfalls of wandering. That's our motivation. Like what motivates our lives? But now we're talking about what is the, how, there's a need for us to have a shepherd, a chief shepherd. That's why Peter's talking about the overseers of the church, but really he's talking about the fact that you and I need not just overseers, not just elders, but we actually need a chief shepherd in our lives. It says here, when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. See, the chief shepherd is one of the most beautiful titles for, for the Savior in all Scripture. The shepherd imagery for the Messiah appears in the Old Testament and in John's Gospel calls him the good shepherd. The writer of Hebrews calls Jesus the great shepherd. Early in this letter, Peter calls him the shepherd and guardian of our souls. See, when you understand that the chief shepherd, Jesus, has come, has become humble to save you, that his humility on the cross has purchased your freedom, It's his life for yours. It's that grace that motivates you. 
that you are saved by grace through faith alone. That you aren't saved by your own works, but you're saved by Christ's works. Look at your life. There's a story in Luke 15 about the prodigal son. There's two sons. And the prodigal son in the story, the, the younger brother, takes his dad's inheritance and leaves. What does he do? He wanders, spends all his money, his inheritance. He comes to the end of his self, his end of his self-sufficiency, the end of his motivation. And what does he say? If I just go home and be one of my dad's servants, to face the consequences of his dad, his dad could have killed him in that situation. But the father sees this, the young son a long ways off. To have a wandering son come home. He runs to him with arms stretched out, puts a robe on him, kills the fattened calf because his son in that moment stopped wandering and came home. See, you might have been wandering your whole life. You might have grown up in the church and you're still wandering. You're trying to find the right faith, (laughs) the right set of beliefs. Maybe your life, you never grew up in the church and you've just been wandering, wandering from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, but deep down you never feel satisfied. Maybe this moment you're realizing that, that your motivation isn't for God's kingdom, but it's your kingdom on earth. And that is why you and I need the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, Jesus. That's why we need it more than ever in this moment of our uncomfortable, broken states. In a pandemic, like let's stop wondering and let's find rest and security in who Jesus is. Not that you make, when you come to Christ, it doesn't make your life morally better or have more money, but it makes your life better his. It makes it Jesus' life. And that's our desire. Our desire in Kelowna is to make Jesus known. And it's, I believe it's Jesus' desire to get to know who you are, wherever you're at. Let's pray. God, we are, we have wandered like sheep. We've been led astray into our own best thinking, uh, into a love of money, power, control. Father, I would pray that you just expose the motivations of our heart right now, that we'd see what drives our lives. But in the midst of that, Lord, I pray that we'd see that we need desperately a great shepherd, a shepherd, a chief shepherd who searches us out, who wants us to know his name, to hear his voice, to know his love and compassion and care for his sheep. So I pray for people at home that they would hear your voice, Jesus, not mine. That that they would see that you know them and you love them and you are pursuing them for their whole lives. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.